0: Uh, It's kind of an interesting progression going from the story of Joseph forgiving and being filled with love for his brothers to uh, that song reminding us of the reason that we forgive. (laughs) And then now we get to go into a text that talks about, because of these two great things, the grace that's been given to us, how we treat one another within God's church. Um, Our sermon text is taken from Paul's epistle to the Romans, Chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. I find it on your screen, or of course, if you have a Bible with you, you're welcome to open it. Paul writes this to the the church in Rome. Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling or over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another, and another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats, whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord, and give thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Um, so for the next couple of weeks, what we'll be doing is we just finished a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, and for the coming weeks, we're going to do some sort of standalone sermons uh, based on the church lectionary. If you come from a church that does that tradition, um, it's churches all around the world that sort of agree to read and preach on the same texts. And so for the coming weeks, that's what we'll be doing in here. And tonight, we have this passage from Romans chapter 14. And if you're familiar with the gospel, or the, the epistle to the Romans, uh, chapter 13, we're talking about rulers and authorities. We're talking about how we should live, basically, as Christians in a secular world. And we get to this chapter where it talks about how we relate to one another. So let me ask you a question. Um, let me ask you a question. Think about a theological stance or a moral issue you're really passionate about. Right. What's one thing that's actively. Are we good? Great. Zoom, just let us know if we're having problems. What's one thing that you're really passionate about, theologically, morally, that intersects with your faith? Where if you sort of think about it, you think, oh, that's like the thing, right? Now, let me consider, or ask you to consider something that's a little uncomfortable. What if you're wrong? It's an uncomfortable thought, right? What if I have misinterpreted the scriptures and I'm actually wrong about this thing that I'm really, really passionate about? Now, for many of us, this is uncomfortable because we want to know. We want to know. We want to be sure that we know. We want black and white clear answers when it comes to our faith. And it's okay that it makes you uncomfortable. In fact, it should make you uncomfortable because that's sort of what this text is talking about. We need this teaching Because in verse 1, Paul says that if someone comes into the church, someone comes to you as a sister or brother in Christ who has a weak faith, this word can also be translated sick, sort of like a sickly, weak, not fully developed, who has a faith that is not the same as yours, who see things differently than you, that you are to welcome them and not argue with them over matters of faith. What the scriptures here call disputable matters, can also be translated as well as opinions or reasons. So here now, right away in this passage, you and I are forced to look at ourselves and deal with, are we indeed humble enough to admit that we might be wrong? Are we humble enough to welcome someone in who believes something differently than us that we are sure is right, and yet welcome that person in without disputing them? Because to one, something is absolutely clear, but to the other person, it's disputable. I'm just going to throw some out that will ruffle some feathers. (laughs) Women being ordained as pastors, to some, is non-disputable, one way or the other, but to another person, it's completely open to be discussed, right? Let's get a little bit more controversial. Homosexuality in the church. The LGBT community, where is their place in the church? Let's get a little uncomfortable. Is that disputable or is it not? To one, that's indisputable. To another, it absolutely is. To some, 40, 50 years ago, it was the King James Version of the Bible or nothing. 500 years ago in the city of Zurich, it was baptism. People were killing each other because infant baptism doesn't count. Sometimes we really think we're right. Sometimes we are. But are we willing to ask ourselves if we are? Because right here, already in verse 1 of this text, Paul is saying to you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ, welcome that person who believes differently than you in and be okay without arguing. Accept the faith of that person. Why? Because the word used for faith here in verse 1 is a gift The faith that person has is a gift from God. It is not something that they have earned. They have not passed an entry-level exam. They have not gotten to some theological orthodoxy threshold where now they can come to church. Faith in this text, in the book of Romans, is often a gift. That God has bestowed this gift upon this person and that they have faith. It's not something we owned or have earned. And so... You and I, as sisters and brothers in Christ, are to accept that person who has a different faith than us. And then he gives an example. It's a very common example in the New Testament world about food, about vegetarians. Right? Similar to, uh, if you want to look it up and study it, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where there were divisions in the church between the Jews and the Gentiles about what kind of food you can eat. Many of the Orthodox Jews refused to eat food sacrificed to idols. But many of the Gentiles were like, well, what difference does it make? It's bacon, it's delicious, right? What's the problem? Right? Some kept Jewish laws as followers of Jesus, and some never knew Jewish laws to begin with, so what's the problem? Right? And Paul is saying this is, this is a good example. Some feel they have to follow the traditions of their childhood, or of their youth, or of their last year. And some say, well, we're free under Christ. What difference does it make? So what's the issue here? Well, for many of us, especially if you've come from a tradition of church, growing up in church, you don't remember a Sunday where you weren't dragged to church, uh, it's ritual and it's tradition, right? It's human nature. We cling to what is comfortable. We cling to the thing that makes us feel normal and safe. All we need to do is look at musical preferences in church to see this displayed every single Sunday. Well, I can't worship like that. Tell you what, I am not the biggest fan of organ, but this morning, the postlude Ruth played on the organ, it was like a rock concert. I mean, it was awesome. She was hitting it. And that's not my favorite thing, but you know what? We need to remember, verse 3, that God has accepted this person who believes or might have a different faith or understanding than us because it's a gift from God that God has given to them. See, to be a Christian and to be tolerant of other Christians, Christian tolerance is freedom to worship together without the right to argue with that person. Think about that. It is welcoming someone in and saying, hey, welcome, but just so you know, now that you're here, we get to to debate this point. That's not Christian tolerance. Christian tolerance is saying, welcome in, and I don't need to argue you. I don't need to argue your position. I want to worship with you as a brother or a sister in Christ. The church, we are to accept those with a young faith, with a new faith, with a different faith. Because the difference with the church and the rest of the world is the grace we have found from God. This is the difference between us and everyone else. Any other club, any other social structure that someone comes into, there's arguing, there's debating, there's ranking. In the church, there is grace. First, second, and third, there is grace. And so the grace we are given, we then go out and give to others without arguing, but with listening and learning. And yes, of course, there is tension here. Because the difficult question that we're all thinking is, how do we know what is disputable? Right? How do we do that? Well, I think Paul fleshes this out a bit more. In verse 4, he says that, Remember, ultimately, what? Can you tell someone else's servant or someone else's master what to do? Right? Can you? Who is that other person's master? Is it you? Well, no, I'm not their master, but I'm like a manager, right? Like I know a little bit more, so I'm a manager, so I have some... No! No, it doesn't say that. To their own master, servants stand or fall. And that other person who has a weak faith, who has a baby faith, who maybe doesn't believe the same way you do, you know what scripture says about them? That other person will stand for the Lord will make them stand. This is what Paul is talking about with faith, being a gift from God. The God gives them faith, and then God also makes them able to stand upright in their belief. Because Jesus supports and loves that person, so too should you and I support and love that person. Grace must be our first step in loving those with a weak or a different faith than us. And even though it may seem wrong to us, they probably believe it. This is the example he gives in verse 5, right? One person considers one day more sacred than the other, and another considers every day alike. But each one of them should be fully convinced in their own minds. And so if someone comes to us convinced of one thing, who are we to say, no, you're absolutely wrong? Church, we will not ever agree on our rituals. We will not ever agree on our practices. We will not ever agree on our theology. However... Consider this. We all come from different backgrounds. In this room, we could have 15, 20 different home countries. This is the beauty of the church. It's a mosaic. It's little pieces from all over the place that are different, that don't seem to fit. And then when you stand back and look at it, it is a beautiful picture of our Father in heaven who loves us. And even though we want to be in control, even though we want to set the rules We are not in this alone. We do not get to control this. Look at verse 7. None of us lives for ourselves alone. None of us dies for ourselves alone. (laughs) Just last week, we had a baby dedication. And one of the things I always say at dedications is baptisms is whatever is you are not in this alone. We are in this together. All of us. And in case we forgot, Paul reminds us of why This is so important in verse 8 and 9. For if we live, we live by the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, sisters and brothers in Christ, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. That Christ rules all. Christ is over all. Christ is in all. Christ is through all. And he is with us in this process. In our disagreements, in our pride, in our sin, he is with us. So then Paul finishes verse 10, 11, and 12. So why are you judging one another? Why are you so harsh with one another? Why are you putting up walls and saying, once you believe these things, then you can come inside the walls? Because church, when we gather together to worship, we are all accepted by the faith given to us from our Heavenly Father. And immediately some people get nervous and say, oh no, Pastor Sam's gone universalist. There is no truth. What do we do? I'm not preaching universalism. I'm in fact preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in verse 12, Paul reminds us of something really important. We are in this together. We are living this life together. But at some point, as my mentor said, we either all bow before Jesus or he makes us bow before him and we give an account for our lives, how we lived, how we treated people. And if we don't love and care for people in this building, in the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, how can we be expected to go and love people outside of these walls? Church, we will give an account for how we have cared for God's children on this earth. We will give an account of how we have built others up, how we have helped others find the truth that we have found, how we have given the grace we have found Because when we talk about weak faith as it talks about here or those we disagree with, it can be anything. We don't know people's stories until we share life with them. It could be a new believer, someone who's just wrestling through things. It can be from legalism. They could have come from a legalistic, controlling background, and they're wrestling through what that means. It could be a lack of sound teaching. They could have had someone who was teaching them falsely for years I know friends who have gone, who went to a church for years who had a manipulative, abusive church leader. And we disagreed on all sorts of things. <laughs> and when it comes down to it, we need to know something. And this is really uncomfortable even for me as a pastor to say. We might be wrong. <laughs> I mean, again, the, the, if you look at the history of the church huge swaths of Christian theological professionals at one time or another were wrong. And it's okay to acknowledge that it is in Christ and through Christ that we gain wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit and not through our education or our upbringing or our tradition. How can you and I judge others when we indeed are servants who will one day be judged? This is what Paul says. How can you go out and judge others if you also have to go before God and give an account of your own life? church, we are sinful beings who really, really want control. We really want power. This was the first sin, right? Adam and Eve. Hey, enjoy the garden. Do everything. Enjoy it. It's yours. But don't eat from the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the serpent comes and says, what? No, 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 no. It's not bad. You'll be like God. You'll have the power to discern right and wrong. You'll have the power to judge. You'll be in control of everything like God. And Adam and Eve said, that sounds pretty good. I could judge others. I'll know good and evil. Yeah, give me that fruit. And we've been subject to this sin ever since. We want to know. But it's too much for us to know all things. Friends, hear me. I am not preaching universalism. In fact, I am preaching Christ. His life and death and resurrection is our very model. That we are loving and generous with People who come in, come to us with humility, wanting to know about God. When we are in church together, we show the same humility given to us. Jesus worked with people who were not always in the mainline theological understanding, right? (laughs) Jesus worked with people who were on the fringes, who were in the margins, who were marginalized by society. And let us be honest enough to look at our own life and ask ourselves, have we welcomed the person with different theology? Have we loved and sought to love and care for the person that disagrees with what we think is indisputable? Or have we done what's easy and we've separated ourselves from them? Have we decided to align with one group, one theology, one denomination because we need to know the answer and then surround ourselves with other people who agree with us so that we feel better about this? I myself am very guilty of this at times. We want to know who is in and who is out. We want to know who's on Team Jesus and who's not. But according to this, if someone comes to us with even a weak faith, but a faith from, the, from God, we are to welcome them in and love them. And let me tell you, when we think about Jesus being our example, we look to his ministry, and he accepted the sinner and the Pharisee, the highest religious leader and the lowest sinner. But what's great about Jesus is he didn't go out to try to please the sinners, and he didn't go out to try to please the Pharisees. In fact, he disappointed them both greatly. (laughs) He even disappointed his own family. with the wedding at Cana, his mom is disappointed in him. The Apostle Paul, our author tonight, did the same thing. He preached truth of the gospel, and many, many people out in the world, many Greeks and Romans rejected it. And many religious Jews rejected it as well. The religious and the secular both rejected Paul. They both beat him up. (laughs) Want to know the truth about following Jesus? I shared this with someone just earlier. Jesus was willing to disappoint everyone except for his heavenly Father. He wasn't affiliated to the church or to the tradition, or he wasn't affiliated to, you know, sacrificing his theology for the secular culture. No, 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 no. He stood by truth because in verse 9, Paul reminds us that Christ came for all, the dead and the living, and that he is Lord over all. So when we think we are right, by the way, it's okay, and maybe we are right, When we hold fast to a theological issue, odds are we might be right. But we need to be willing to welcome that person who disagrees with us. We need to be willing to love that person who does not think the same way. To follow Christ is to not be right. To follow Christ is to lift up other people above ourselves. To show them the love that God has for them. And even when we're 100% certain, we do it gently. Gently. We lead others to the truth we have found. It's so one of my favorite things about Zurich. Just to be honest, so the Reformation is great in a lot of ways, right? Um, and we have this great statue which has now been placed back of, of Zwingli there, and he's got the sword there, and I love that they kept the sword there. Because he thought he was so right, and he did a lot of great things, by the way. I'm not criticizing Zwingli. I don't want to be kicked out of Zurich tomorrow. <laughs> he did a lot of great things. But he felt he was so right about issues that he was willing to drown people, or go along, at least, with the state in drowning people in the river who disagreed with him, who claimed the name of Christ. If you walk up the other side of the lima, there's a tiny little plaque to the first martyr who died. Church, we've got to do better. Like, we have to do better. And right now, when we think we know, we need to understand that we may not know. And that's okay. You know, one of my favorite quotes about kind of operating like Jesus is from an author named Dick Staub. And he said that when we are faithfully following Jesus, we will be too Christian for our pagan friends, and we will be too pagan for our Christian friends. Let me say that again. When we are faithfully following Jesus, we will be too Christian for our pagan friends, and we will be too pagan for our Christian friends. Meaning that we are not living a life to appease that which the world understands as Christianity, and we are not living a life to sacrifice our faith for the secular world or those who don't know him. We are operating in a way that we are following what Jesus did. I don't know about you, but I often feel like I don't fit in in this world. Sometimes in Christian circles, I'll go to a conference with other pastors and my wife can attest to this and I'll just say, I just don't always get along with pastors. Like they are weird people. You know? And then, and then I'll go and hang out with my friends who aren't Christians too and I just think, man, I don't really fit in anywhere. <laughs> like, I don't know. And that's okay. What we need to do, what you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ need to do is look at our life are we giving the grace we've, been found, or we've found? Are we giving the love we've found in Jesus? Are we overcoming our sin and desire for pride and control and willing to sacrifice our lives for people who believe differently than us? Are we willing, when we give an account of ourselves, as the apostle says before God, to admit that we are not of this world, we do not have all the answers, but our goal is unity under the love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ? That we will live our lives for others because and never forget this if you forget anything else I said tonight that's fine remember what the apostle Paul said in verse 4 that no matter where we're at that they will stand no matter what you're wrestling with no matter what you wondered about is this right is this wrong what do I do with this Scriptures tell us that those people who are wrestling, those people who are weak in faith, those people who are wondering about what is true, they will stand. For the Lord is able to make them stand. Let us cling to that promise. Shall we pray? Lord God, thank you. Thank you for questions. Thank you for giving us brains. Thank you for giving us... um, people in our life from around the world who help us to see a fuller, bigger picture of who you are. And God, ultimately, we pray this would be under your banner, under your truth, under your wisdom. And so, God, as we investigate, as we search, as we lead each other along this road as fellow servants, Lord, would you make us all stand? Would you make us to stand firm, to stand tall, to stand proud in knowing and loving you? Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. And so as we figure this stuff out together, let us be gracious. Let us be patient. Let us be like our Savior, Jesus Christ, to one another. And we pray this in his holy and mighty name. Amen. Um, We're going to go ahead and uh, respond with a song. And you can use this time to, to stand, to voice the words, to hum. Um, to meditate, to reread the text we just read, um, whatever you need to do.